This is the Roaring Elephant Podcast for the 16th of June. Joined by my... Well, I think he's... I think he's more red, or is he? Co-host, Yon. Oh boy, that's a stretch. <laughs> I see what you did there, but... Wow. <laughs> Can I just hey, say, everyone, everyone loves, loves a good flex. <laughs> How are you doing, Yon? I'm fine, I'm fine, and especially fine because I won't have to work a lot today. Well, why is why is that? Is that because it's my birthday and you get my birthday off? Oh, that would actually be a reason to celebrate it. But uh, sadly, no, uh, Dave isn't getting another year older again. At least I don't think so. I don't even know when your birthday is, to be honest. But no, the reason I'm uh, so uh, relaxed is that I'm not going to have to work because we have a guest on again. Kyle Davis is Hooray. back. Let's... Uh Let's dive straight into part two of Exploring Redis with Carl Davis. Let's do it. So if if someone is um, is looking at this, you, you mentioned when you were talking about some sizing things earlier. Now, hundreds of terabytes of data is, is reasonably common. You're working towards a petabyte project. If someone's thinking they, they need something fast, um, it's key value-ish... Um, what's the what do you think the, the the sweet spot is in terms of of size? You know, when when do when do things get you know when the things either too small it's not worth you know bothering with Redis or when do things get you know too large really you know this is probably you're probably you're probably looking at the wrong problem maybe you need to divide things up or you know what what does that kind of size of things look like? That's a great question. It, I would be, if this is something, you know, gosh, I work for Redis Labs, let's be honest with you, but, but I can't <laughs> imagine building anything right now and not using Redis on some level. Um, it, whether you're using it at a high degree or a trivial degree is, is the real question, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I have used Redis in projects before I worked for Redis Labs where I was using it to store um, something relatively trivial, like 30 megabytes. Um, and and that provided a lot of performance benefit because I was sharing this this thing between hundreds of processes and, and I could store them in local memory and that would be expensive because each process would actually have to replicate that memory and so you know when you're talking about tens of megabytes sure there's there's mm-hmm. absolutely good use cases for it there um, and you know when you when you get into the um, you know, hundreds of terabytes. I think that you have to really think about like what what's the the most bang for the buck um, when you're doing this. And certainly, you know, everybody, any company says well, yes. Of course, we would like you to have very large uh, data sets, and, and we're no exception there. But at the same time, um, I think there is there is a lot of people that have stuff that just kind of sits there. And and I, I've been had some interesting conversations with people, and and they they kind of had revelations like, oh, maybe I can better manage this. Mm. And, and, you know, keep things small. Uh, and I think that's kind of going to a lot of what people, when they decide, should I store this in Redis or should I store this somewhere else? Is, um, you know, is this going to be something that, that, that would really benefit from the performance? Um, and if the answer is always yes, then sure, then, then go into those higher hundreds of terabytes type of, of, of deployments. That makes sense. Um, yep. But if you're in situations where, you know, you have hundreds of terabytes, and only 10% of it's getting used, you know, rethink that. Like, really, you probably could use it somewhere else, right? Um, so it's it's all about 
making sure that you're you're optimizing for the right things. And and yeah. ultimately, Redis is, is an optimization game. Okay, that makes sense. So, with that in mind, like, what what do you see? when people are maybe getting started with Redis, what do you see that people get wrong? Like what do people forget or miss out or, um, you know, somehow start a terrible dumpster fire because they, they forgot the one most important configuration option? Well, you know, configuration, I mean, I, I could go down the road of like, if you if Redis resists you actually configuring it where you just leave it open to the internet. Um, it, it provides a number of guards on on top of it, but why? Um, it, it, <laughs> I, don't, I mean, don't know. Like, the interesting thing is Redis Six that just recently came out actually provides another layer of, of security on top of it. So now there's actually ACLs, uh, access, yeah. access control lists, and, and the enterprise version has an RBAC, so uh, role based access control. Um, but previous to that, you just had a password, and and you could disable that password, and some people just yep. leave it open to the internet. Now. If we were talking about the 2012 era, you know, uh, people figured out they could look for the port number and kind of probe things, and and you know, Redis did at that point did not fight it. The whole idea previously was that Redis was something that you would keep behind a firewall uh, of some form, and kind of like inside your your local local um, network that between <laughs> your servers, um, you wouldn't expose it directly. And still, that's the best practice. But from developing the application, you know, I think there's a couple of things. Um, Redis has this. Um, kind of yes sir mentality about its commands. Um, mm-hmm. It won't um, when you're running it from the data, the data layer. It won't tell you no or that's going to take a long time. Um, there's a number of commands in Redis that work fine if you have a relatively small cardinality of results. Uh, you know some of these things will say you know give me all the values associated with a particular key and all the, and the hash data structure. And people do this all the time, and, and this is one of the Redis foot guns. You know, we, we say that all the time. Here's a, a, a here's a gun. <laughs> it will shoot you in the foot if you use it. Um, and you know, people will will start with a dozen fields in their in their uh, key, and then over time or accident, they will have millions. And Redis will just say, if you ask me to give you all the, the values here, I will give you all the values. But that might take me a second to retrieve millions of values. Right? Um, it's going to what it has to, especially those values can be quite large. Um, so that that's one mistake that I see people doing, and it starts out with the best of intentions. Um, there's another command out there called keys, and this will tell you all the keys in a key value store, and in this case, in Redis, as it's perceived as a key value store. Um, this is an expensive operation to do, and it will take a long time. The documentation is very clear that it, it is a <laughs> debugging-only command. Um, yep. But we see people write it in production, and, and they end up paying the price for it. Um, so there, there's options to, to do that. Um, the other thing that I would say is, uh, and this is more of a psychological thing. Uh, when people learn Redis, they, they um, make some assumptions about it uh, and, and only learn a small portion of it. Um, and Redis can do a lot of different things. Uh, but I think there's this kind of psychology of, okay, I'm using Redis to solve this problem, and usually it's a caching or a high-performance problem. And they stop learning um, after that point. Uh, and some, they, there's this, a mental block. If, if it does this simple thing so well, it can't possibly do more complex things. And um, I think that's that's been the, the big thing that a lot of people have struggled with is, uh, you know, we've had capabilities in the software for years now. And I'll go to a conference and people have been using the software for years now. And I say, Redis can, for example, you know, 
plot geospatial points and tell you the distance between two points and retrieve values in a different given radius. And people's jaws dropped to the floor. It's been using Redis for years, and I didn't know that happened. It was there, and uh, you know, it's been there. <laughs> um, so I think we we talk talk about it constantly. Um, I, I think that is one of the things that people kind of, uh, from a psychological standpoint, uh, often miss out on is that it's got a lot. It's got it's not a simple thing that that you. It, you know, it's checkers and chess. Like I can teach you the moves in 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 chess in an afternoon, but to master it, it might take a little bit more time. Um, you know, checkers, you just learn it in an afternoon, and there's not more to it. It's just a matter of seeing the opportunities when they arise. So in that way, Redis is more like chess, right? Like you you might see these moves, but you don't necessarily know that you put the moves together in a certain way. Then then you could do really complex things with it. Um, whereas I think people perceive it as checkers, and that you just make the move and that's it. So one of the things you mentioned then was about um, people, you know, not not maybe going into as much depth or not realizing there's all of this depth of functionality. What's the what's the best way for people to to continue to learn beyond the the basics? That's a great question. There's there's a number of different ways you can do that. Um, you can you can it depends on your type of learning style. For me, my type of learning style was, and the way I really learned it was like, I went and, and um, uh, I should admit this about myself, I read documentation for fun, uh, but I, I went through <laughs> and, and read every single command's documentation, which it's not that many. At that point, it was under 100, and now it's a little over 100. And uh, I, I learned it that way. And I think that's that's a good way of doing it. Now, is that everybody's cup of tea? Absolutely not. Um, there are courses that are available that Redis Labs uh, offers for free. Um, Redis University, you can go in and, and, and they're kind of, they're traditional classroom type courses where um, they're online, but, but you have an instructor and exercises and it happens over a course of weeks. Um, we have a number of, um, you know, in-person events that we do. Um, uh, for example, at our conference that, that happened just recently, we had um, a training day that was free and you could go and learn different modules and that sort of thing, different uh, parts of the, of the uh, Redis ecosystem. Um, and then once this this whole um, you know lockdown thing is over with, then then uh, you know you can come to one of our our kind of um, seminars as they come to your local area. We usually hold uh, one day seminars um, around the world and uh, you know teach people Redis, and that'll give you a lot of information in one sitting. So there's a lot of opportunities. Nice. One um, of the things that you mentioned. Um or kind of touched on very, very briefly was the the word cardinality. So for people that haven't come across that mm -hmm. before, how would you explain cardinality? Yeah, so cardinality in this case, I'm usually referring to a set or some sort of set of data, and that's mm -hmm. the, the kind of unique values, uh, the, the count of unique values. So, uh, you know, if I say um, the set is red, blue, and green, the cardinality would be three. If the set was red, red, blue, and green, the cardinality would still be three, even though there was four items in the set, because the, we're yep. only looking at the kind of unique counts there. Um, yeah, I, I throw that term around and I forget, like, it's not it's not in common <laughs> use. My, my wife often says, like, what are you said, talking about? I'm, like, I'm sorry, I was speaking David. <laughs> um, so how, how, how does high or low cardinality uh, impact, um, impact Redis? It depends on what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, it, it mm -hmm. really does. So, um, you know, Redis has... A, one of the neat things about Redis is that all the commands publish their um, big O notation 
uh, computational complexity. Uh, uh, this is a, a way of kind of uh, a shorthand of understanding uh, how the different commands will perform. So uh, in this example, you might have heard of O of N, and that means that if you have N number of items in a, in a given uh, data structure, it will take um, some multiple multiple of N. So if there's two items in it versus four items, then, then the, the two item one will perform faster than the four item one. And then there's O log of N and, and these different um, kind of curves that you can look at. Um, so it depends on the command. Um, so very high cardinality things. We have some operations which are O1. So it doesn't matter how many items are being evaluated. It operates at constant time. Um, so there's a lot of operations that are that way. So for example, if you're adding an item to one of our queue data structures or lists, it's an O1 operation. So you might have a list that has millions and millions and millions of items into it, but you can add to the beginning or end without incurring any extra cost. It's a, it's a constant time thing. We have other uh, commands that, for example, that this keys command, um, if you have millions of keys, it's going to take millions of times longer than if you have one key. So um, it, it really is something you have to pay attention to on a certain number of commands. But that, that's one thing that I would say is not necessarily foundational to use Redis, but to really understand Redis is to understand how computational complexity uh, plays into um, you know, the, the type of data that you're evaluating. In your experience, is this knowledge, is this something that people actually are aware of, that this is something they need to think about when they're designing their, their databases, their data structures and things like that? It is. Um, mm -hmm. th th something that, well, to be aware of it, initially, no. Uh, to be bitten by it, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's hard knocks and all that, right? Um, exactly. Yeah. And I think that we, we, when we're when we're doing things either in Redis University or or in our on our uh, workshops that we do around the world, we always talk about it mm -hmm. um, because it's key to understanding that. And, and this kind of goes back to you know Redis is is a little bit nerdier than some databases. It's a little bit lower level. Mm -hmm. um, it's a little bit more like assembly or or, or um, machine code than other than other databases. And that that you know you kind of have to know what you're doing to make things work really well. Um, and, and that might be also, you know, where we kind of get into this whole thing of people knowing, you know, the things that they know about Redis, yeah. because there is a little bit of a learning curve, but it pays off. It's the yeah, thing yeah, to, yeah. to really understand. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I kind of blame the SQL people for that. I mean, SQL try to <laughs> abstract everything away and you don't have to know how thing works anymore. Just give us more money and it'll go faster. And if you go to the no SQL yeah. things and things like Redis, knowing what you're doing and if you're going for millisecond response times, Every millisecond counts, basically. So knowing how it works and every microsecond what the counts. Yeah. A microsecond. Let's call it nanoseconds. I can beat you. <laughs> 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 and yeah, you have to really be aware of the little things that can have big consequences. And it's something that, uh, in my line of work, I mean, I live in the, in the big data world myself. It's something that people are rarely aware of. That that it is really something they should at least be aware of, basically. Anyway, sorry for Absolutely. the. Absolutely, I agree with you. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. the number of the number of times that people people write bad interactions, whether it's queries or whatever it might be, that you know, if if you just think think more about what's happening underneath, you'll end up with a better response and response time. In the you know, it's not about throwing necessarily more hardware or software at things. It's about understanding what it is that you're trying to ask. Yeah, and I think that's the interesting thing with uh, people when they start looking at. Um, you know, their learning pathways is is that uh, you, the longer you, uh, at least this has been my experience, 
um, it's been a revealing thing that I've, I've you know, started out very high level languages and then I started going lower level and lower level and lower level. And some people, you know, start at the low level and work up, but um, it has, there's been a lot of aha moments, especially when I, when I learned Redis more and more deeply going, oh, that's why that's slow or, oh, that's why I can or can't do that in these environments. Um, because I start understanding the, the entire structure. You start thinking about a machine all the way from how is it allocating memory to the instructions it's running all the way up to how it's going to actually interface with the user. Yep, that makes perfect sense. So, as we as we descend, uh, or ascend even, from the depths of all things uh, Redis and performance and understanding the integral uh, parts of it, um, you know, your role as, as head of developer advocacy um, at Redis Labs, obviously you have a, therefore, a a sort of a strong tie to the Redis community. What's your What's your favorite part about the Redis community? How is that? How is it? How would you define the Redis community? That's a great question. Uh, you know, I, I think the Redis community is one where people are uh, kind of singularly focused on on some particular aspects of, of data. Uh, whereas, you know, if you look at other communities. Um, there, there's everybody's trying to get their own thing done on it and, and you know everybody has opinions on things um in some ways the redis community can can rely on something that's a little more absolute saying yeah, actually here is the number of uh, cpu texts that have occurred for this versus you know um you know another option whereas other communities might just say i think this looks nicer <laughs> um so so i think there is almost a scientific approach in the community um but from a from a standpoint of like meeting the people involved, um, I think that there is a real desire for people to learn. Um, and, and you know, I, I had a recent experience where I went to uh, Bengaluru in, in India, and and you know, the number of people that came to these events that we had there that were just really eager to to sit down and say, you know, I really want to make things better. I really want to, um, you know, learn to to optimize my software. Um, was immense. And, and I think Redis is a pretty big community. I mean, it's a fairly popular database when it comes to, if you look at the rankings of whatever, you know, popularity uh, metric they have, Redis always ranks pretty highly. Um, but there's still a lot of people out there that are, are wanting to learn it uh, a little more deeply and, and, and eke out as much as they possibly can from their the given, um, given infrastructure they're running on. Yep. Makes sense. So, what's uh, you know what have been the most recent exciting updates, and what's what's coming in the not too distant future? Uh, well, a couple of different things. Uh, you know, uh, recently Redis six uh, came out, and Redis six is a big deal. Um, you know, we're at now kind of a, a yearly cadence on the open source product. Um, the mm-hmm. Enterprise product is now kind of in sync with that as well. But um, there's maybe a few more features that come along the enterprise product um, throughout the year, but um, Redis 6 brings in a, a few kind of very big changes. The first thing, and I may mention this earlier, is um, access control lists. Uh, previously, Redis had no concept of users, uh, so you just kind of issued a, a shared secret and, and you got into um, the environment and you could do anything you want to, from from removing everything in the database to adding items to, you know, uh, manipulating items, you could do anything. Um, ACLs introduce uh, a user and a password, which I know sounds so fundamental, but Redis is, is you know, more than 10 years old now and it's got that far without having to, to um, have any concept of that. Um, 
And that does give a lot of more possibilities than we had in the past, uh, whereas you're able to dictate which users can do which operations on which key names, um, which means that you can really start adhering to the, the principle of least privilege when you're from a security standpoint. You can create users for very specific purposes that can only read and write data or only write or read data for that matter to a given um, place. Um, and you have different users that are administrators and not administrators and all sorts of things like that. Um, so that's one thing. Uh, the other thing that's really big is this idea of, uh, of our protocol changing. Uh, so we, we're now in the third generation of our protocol. The new protocol is called REST3, R-E-S-P. Um, and uh, REST3 is something that is gaining popularity in the community. We're having more and more client libraries, the libraries that connect between Redis and your, your application, uh, support it. Um, and this enables us to do some really exciting things. I know a protocol change doesn't sound very exciting, uh, <laughs> but what it really does is uh, enables the client libraries to be smaller um, and to have what's called a zero knowledge understanding of Redis. So before the client libraries had to, because the, the way that information would come back, they had to know a lot about the commands being sent. So if we wanted to add a new command to Redis, we had to make sure that there was sufficient support in the client libraries. And my goodness, like you have to make sure there's a lot of client libraries out there. You know, if you skip over OCaml um, or Haskell or something, um, you know, you don't want to leave those people out in the dark. Um, but now um, the way the protocol works and codes more uh, typing in the information, um, which means that we can move much faster on adding features to Redis, which is exciting. And, and the other kind of thing that goes along with that is that, and I don't, I don't think even mentioned it so far, is that Redis has this ability to um, integrate modules. And those modules, um, which expand the functionality of Redis, they're kind of like um, uh, software that, that is uh, compiled and then integrated um, through a shared object file with Redis um, as you start the server, um, can do really interesting things. I mean, we have a graph module that does like full-blown uh, graph database queries. We have a full text module that does, um, you know, uh, you know full text search where you can um, find things and uh, like as a human would find things by stimming words off and doing phonetic searching and all sort of thing, sorts of things like that. Um, those modules have been really ha have been really functional for people for a couple of years now. But the the thing that has really lagged is that uh, for us to get support in in a different client library requires a lot of um, individual work with those individual um, different client uh, language communities. So uh, you know we have to if there's to use something from the earlier in the interview, ON, it's an ON operation. If we have N number mm -hmm. of clients that we need to figure out, we have to spend a lot of time doing that. Now with the new protocol, uh, that changes everything. Um, and we can we can roll out new changes really rapidly and add new commands uh, to it. So Redis is, is poised now to, to be uh, something that can expand a lot faster and, and do um, um, into, get into more areas without having to have a lagging um, ecosystem that comes along with it sounds good so Great. tell us tell us something about redis labs so uh redis labs is an interesting company where we have three headquarters which i think that's interesting from a nomenclature <laughs> standpoint we have one in california one in london and one in tel aviv and uh we have a number of people spread out throughout the world as well so um, in this environment, of course, everybody is work from home for right now. Um, depending where you are, I guess maybe some places have opened up. I don't know. Um, but, um, you know, we have kind of a different areas that we're focusing on in individual places. So some places are focusing on software development and some places are focusing on sales and marketing and that sort of thing. Um, but Redis Labs is a, a really interesting company in that, that 
um, it has really kind of taken the whole idea and, and like many open source projects, Redis has a manifesto, right? <laughs> Which I, I, I love that, right? But, it, but it's a manifesto <laughs> that has been kind of integrated into the company, right? And so there's a lot of things that we do that, that have a very specific uh, way of uh, way of operating because it kind of matches what our software matches. So uh, we are a very high um, velocity company, which is part of the manifesto and, and, and how you would do things. I mean, this our software runs fast and does things quickly, and so does our company. Um, but, you know, we're really the home of Redis, and, and you know, it, there is so many people that are just focused on um, one piece of software and, and how to, you know, from the marketing side, how do, the, how do we get this in more people's hands? From the sales side, how do we enable our customers to do more? Uh, from the, the technology side and from the, the engineering side, how do we make sure that we are being the best stewards of every individual bit and every individual CPU cycle? Um, so it's it's really, it's really everybody's focused on kind of the same thing in different aspects of it. Um, but, and I'm serious about the bits thing. Um, you know, there was a large uh, discussion about if we can use six bits for something instead of the full eight. Um, we end up going with six <laughs> bits to save two bits. Nice. I, I mean, I'm serious. Like that, this was a day long meeting um, yeah. about about two bits. So, because it matters, and we want to make sure that we're 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 really focused on the highest performance and using things in the ways that are the most responsible. Fantastic. So, um, is there anything else that you'd like to add? Anything else that we we haven't touched on that you think we would be remiss not to mention? Um, you know, I, I think that. Uh, it's it's really interesting to see um, how Redis is is uh, perceived different places, and and um, I think this is something that I, I, I it's always interesting to hear people uh, when they say it. You know, we use Redis for X, we use Redis for Y, and it's remarkable how that can that can even spread over geographies as well. Um, it's it's something that's interesting when I when I look at this. You know, I, I've um, uh, had the opportunity to go around the world to talk about Redis and. and um, meet with people who are using it, and uh, it is just fascinating how individual places in the world are coming up with new new ways of doing things, and they're kind of spreading this knowledge. But the thing that I would would say with that is, you know, if you do have um, interest in Redis or or you're uh, really inter you're, you're something you're trying to solve with Redis, go find out. We have um you know meetups around the world um, that that these local people are coming up with some of the most interesting uses of Redis and some of the, um, you know, uh, sharing, sharing information in ways that I would never have thought of. So um, even though we're in, we're in a kind of a strange time right now, I think uh, the, the, the local communities are still holding, um, you know, meetups throughout the world virtually. Yep. They seek the, that out opportunities out. There's probably no better way to, to get some, some knowledge out there is to go to and find what your local community is doing with it and seeing, um, you know how how it's interesting being used um, by by that local community because because they're going to be people that are going to uh, really be nuts about the software and nuts about uh, finding ways to uh, to use it in, in bigger and better ways. Fantastic. Well, thanks, Carl. Really appreciate your time. It's been great chatting you uh, uh, chatting with you about all things Redis um, and Redis Labs. With that, I think uh, we are done for now, but uh, look forward to chatting you again soon and, and hope you uh, enjoyed the experience. My pleasure. Thanks, Kyle. 
And we're back. And that's all for the Redis Labs, Redis content we have in these two episodes. Thank you very much again to Carl Davis for joining us for this uh, extra long uh, interview we had with him. Um, I think it was interesting. I mean, Redis is something we, we everybody uses all the time for, I don't know what, anything, anything, everything, I guess. And it's, uh, it's nice to have a bit of uh, sit down and some depth, some, some context around the whole thing. Yep. Redis is more than just caching, is uh, what I definitely took away from this. There's much, <laughs> much more to it. Yeah, well, well, that's valid for a lot of things. I mean, they, they, things get fam- famous for a certain application, certain use case, and you kind of forget that these things, as a lo- as often happens a lot in uh, open source-ish environments, that it's uh, yeah, multi-tool applicable. It's like a Swiss Army knife. You can cut, you can dice, you can slice, you can get cut off your fingers. <laughs> Do other, do other things. <laughs> Indeed. Right, I think I'm out of uh, all blab, so unless you have anything else to add? Nothing else from me. And that is all the time we have for today. You can support this podcast. You can become a patron. We like our patrons and every contribution helps. We are on YouTube. We can like, like subscribe and ring the notification bell. I mean, I don't know how this thing works, but Dave kind of likes it, so make him happy. Ring that bell. <laughs> you can go to www.roaringelephant.org. You can find a link there to our Patreon page and more information about the podcast, including a contact form. You can also follow us on Twitter using the @roaringelephant tag and send your feedback to podcast at roaringelephant.org. Until next time, my name is... I finally got the Twitter tag correct this time. Jon? <laughs> and my name is... I no longer need to listen to that awkward... <laughs> as he gets to the Twitter tag, Dave. I look forward to talking to you next week. Goodbye. See you then. <laughs>